All right. We are live. Episode 10. We made it. 10. My son got so excited when he knew it was 10. He, you know, he's, 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 he's encouraging this thing to move forward. Right, bud? Okay, good. He's behind me. Um, all right. I've got Jenny Cawthon, Greenjoy, and Carrie Tuma Levitt Group joining us today. Jenny, we're going to get right into this. Let's talk about Green Joy. Looks delicious. Give us a little snapshot about how it got to be Green Joy. Where did it start? How did it start in terms of the products uh, offered and where is it at now? Absolutely. So we started initially as um, I, I left a job in commercial real estate to pursue a passion for uh, health food, um, but food that tastes good. And so we started Aunt, with Aunt Dottie's uh, as the brand name after my mom, um, based on a salad dressing she had made for 40-something years. Um, and then it really came time to expand the brand. And so we had to take a look at, do we either build Aunt Dottie up as this superhero, women's right to vote, strong arm, or do we really focus on what our products are doing and what we're really offering? And we chose the latter with Green Joy. Um, and during the rebrand, we redid all the packaging, clean white background, really ingredient focused. Um, and during the time, we started with just our refrigerated dressings. We've since expanded that. We've added uh, what started as salad toppers, and due to increased use occasions, they've really turned into now they're just superfood mixes because they're great on everything. And we are going to be officially launching, uh, we have a snackable salad bar, which is two servings of leafy greens and veggies, spinach and kale, um, and superfoods in, in an on-the-go bar. So we're actually launching our Kickstarter um, on that to get the word out coming up in the next few weeks. Um, and what's cool, what we really, really enjoy about that is that two servings of leafy greens and veggies is almost an entire day's worth of vegetables um, for most adult, for the adult women and for kids of most ages. So we're super pumped. Um, that's what, you know, we've been expanding with Green Joy. We're launching Fresh Market in, in, um, in a couple of weeks. We just expanded with Whole Foods. Um, you know, we, our, our overall mission is making vegetables irresistible. We focus on giving back and we focus on making sure that um, healthy, good-for-you foods are accessible for all. Um, so we're actually in the middle of launching a really big um, charity um, and, and giving campaign for those on the front lines, for food banks. And then you know, one of the things, and, and I'm taking a little bit of a, of a veer off um, the path, but one of the things that uh, we think is really important to call attention to is that during this time when schools are out, you know, everybody's talking about the front lines. Um, my husband is, um, you know, in medicine, so he's, he's in the hospital every day also. But um, the kids that are out of school are missing their free or reduced lunch. Um, and sometimes that was the only meal that some of these kids are getting every day. So Greenjoy has donated superfood snacks to over 30,000 kids um, that are in that program. Nice. Let's go back for a second. You started uh, the company which year? We first launched um, Aunt Dottie's at the beginning of 2012. Um, we had three SKUs, and that was just the South region of Whole Foods. Got it. Okay, so you've been doing this for a little bit of time. So you've been you've been on this roller coaster uh, for for what's going to come on eight years. It sounds like. Oh my gosh! Made, yes. <laughs> made a few adjustments along the way. Um, give us a little a snapshot on what was the first adjustment as you're getting through. Let's say the first, second, or third year. Is it more of a, all right, now I'm starting to get this and I'm starting to make moves um, based on either feedback that I'm getting, um, 
the, the way we're going to get to market, distribution points, there's money involved. But give us sort of the first snapshot for somebody who's coming into the business of when you're starting to make a change and what was it? Well, first I'll say if anybody says that they've got this down and they really understand this, I think that they're selling you something that, um, that you don't want. I think that it's all moving so quickly. We're all sort of trying to get our bearings, um, especially as, as young brands. It's been an intense time. I think the lessons that, that we've learned, I think, is that, you know, obviously the business, this industry moves much faster than it ever has before. Um, when I first started the company, it was much a much different pace. Um, and so I think a couple of the learnings um, over the years are that you have to be prepared before you launch in any retailer. Um, having people that have been in the business and have given um, are willing to lend their um, their experience and their time um, really is what sets uh, brands apart as a brand that has raised some money but not um, not as much as we as you know we're opening back uh, our funding back up right now but I think it's important to all to also have great funding and investor contacts we've got a great network um, so I think I, I think those are sort of the big picture items. I think at shelf, you've got to just always remember that it is three seconds and, you know, we changed our packaging because we needed to, to really have better impact in those three seconds. Got it. But um, so, so going back to it though, what was it within the first couple of years that you start making small adjustments and movements within the company, whether it was a full name change, which I'm assuming came later, but um, you know, making key, what they now everybody talks about pivots, but it, it, was it within the first couple of years? You know, I think back then it did move, it moved slower. So I'd say the major pivots um, came later. Um, I think we started in the first few years to, more, to focus more on costing um, and ingredient. You know, I was really, really driven to make sure that we use quality ingredients in the beginning. And at that time, there weren't as many opportunities to find, you know, to source ingredients online. Um, and so it was really, you start with something that's really, really fantastic. And then you try to kind of work the pricing backwards. And that's just not a sustainable model. So we realized that pretty quickly um, and then since then have been more uh, capital efficiency driven in each recipe and okay you know right now we're going undergoing some skew rationalization I think all of that started a little bit later for us as the as the time picked up but we started to know when, um, when we needed to make some changes in terms of the the packaging it was it was a few years in and it honestly took us probably two years to fully complete the process so you know we just you just know that you need a little bit more grab at shelf Got it. Okay. Um, now, I want to talk specifically about one of the products, which is almost like a seed mix. Um, it's in um, a, a stand-up pouch. Um, when yep. I first see it, I, I get it because I'm kind of a, I guess I'm a, 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 new, a new foodie, but, um, and it's things that I eat. I eat such natural foods, right? Um, and, and real foods. So, at first, I'm thinking I'm going to put a handful and, and do that, right? But I also understand that it would be a great topper uh, on, you know, for salads and things like that, potentially yogurts, uh, cottage cheese, things of that, uh, things like that. Where does that sit when you're coming up with that type of product? Are, are you aware of where that's going to sit on the shelf? Walk us through that process and where does it live now uh, at Grocery? That's a really good question. So when we first launched those, we're a fresh company. We launched them refrigerated um, for extended shelf life. We weren't using any, um, any preservatives. We weren't treating them with any gases, which most are. Um, and since then, we 
have undergone a bunch of shelf life studies and were able to bring them shelf stable. We did that last year. Um, and so because they sort of grew up in the produce set, they were in the refrigerated set next to our dressings. We've tried to maintain that, um, maintain that presence in the brand banner in produce. So we have them dry um, going into produce sort of as a, as a salad mix, salad topper, but also as a, as a superfood snack. So luckily a lot of the retailers now are focusing on fresh snacking in produce. Um, and so that, that's where we've been. Um, and then, you know, obviously doing a lot um, with e-commerce. Cool. Um, yeah, I could see that uh, being in a couple places, right, in, in grocery, which would be amazing uh, for any for anybody who understands. You know, you want to be in as, as many uh, places as possible uh, if yeah. if there's potential to be there. That's why they talk about off shelf and things like that uh, in terms of um, uh, getting your sales sales volumes up. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. We've actually been talking to some retailers about looking at at hanging the cinnamon coconut um, on outside the ice cream shelf as an ice as a, as a dessert topper because that's what you know we're hearing from consumers all the time of these multiple use occasions so everything from breakfast cereal it's a plant-based protein ad for if you're just eating cereal to like you mentioned you know yogurt um we have people that are putting them on smoothies putting them on baked potatoes so you know you can have them in the salad um section in the center store um you know with the salad toppers but there's a little bit different price point different expectations we find um in that aisle so you know, looking over it a little bit more, uh, our fresh consumer, our natural consumer is more shopping in the frozen set and then perimeter of the store. Very cool. Um, let's talk margin and money a little bit if we can. Mm -hmm. um, you use uh, distributors. I'm assuming, do you use a KE and a UNFI um, for some distribution? So we actually avoided um, national distri distributors like the plague uh, until very recently. We were working through Whole Foods. We were working with um, some of their regionals. And then with everybody else, we went direct wherever we could just mm -hmm. to preserve margin. Um, you know, we're a small, we're an emerging brand and we've sort of been fighting our way up. Um, and so we recently have, have started working with UNFI, and, but it, it took us getting to a point where we could facilitate those margins. Um, obviously, UNFI has great margins with Whole Foods, and so we've sort of been able to roll that relationship out. And then um, you know, once it, it, it was challenging to try to understand, for us anyway, um, all the different distributors um, have different margins. All the different distributors have different margins with different retailers. Yes. And where, so how do we come up with that pricing? Um, and it was, it was challenging um, because we, you, you're giving away extra points um, if, you know, when you're not at the bottom, but you also don't want to get told no based just on price when there's a little bit of a, of wiggle room. So it can be really, really complicated when you start talking about ADLPs and, you know, it just gets, um, you know, that's where, like I mentioned before, having industry vets that you can call on and say, can you walk us through this one more time? Um, but we've actually had a great relationship with UNFI. Um, we're not um, in K working with KHE yet, but we're also launching a super value um, with Fresh Market coming up. So we're, we're foraying into that, but we, we have heard all the um, horror stories and carried those with us. So we were trying to delay, but now we've had a great response. Great comments, great answers. Um, for anybody who's watching this, uh, you don't even need an industry vet yet to, to get this simple um, point. You need to have margin in this business. You yeah. need to make sure that your margin is in a good position at the beginning. There's a lot of this idea or thought that, well, I can get there. 
And yes, there is some truth to that, but the reality is you need to make sure your pricing is in line out the gate so that you even have the chance to get to the opportunity of improving the margin. And you know, as right, far as right. the big distributors, I, you know, I, I, you know, we work with them. And so um, we, we understand the sentiment. There's sometimes some disappointment that can come and, but the reality is everybody is sort of doing their job and, um, and that is how business works. That's how it operates and, and it should be. And um, so again, there's my, my small tidbit back on it, but those are great answers. Um, can you tell us a little bit about fundraising? I know you said you're doing a, a, a sort of a campaign right now, but did you raise money throughout these last eight years? Are we talking a uh, million dollars, two million dollars up to date, or what, what do we look like if you're allowed to talk about that? Sure. Um, one other thing, on to, circling back on what you were just talking about, you know, I think as a lot of brands look at the margins in terms of, well, when we scale, then we'll realize more margins. But when you scale, you're actually increasing, you know, you're working in the distributor margin. So that, that's not the focus. That can't be where it comes from. Um, so we have, we have a great uh, network of angel investors that we've raised a little over $2 million um, over the, the last eight years. Um, looking back, I think if one thing would be if we had raised a lot of it at once as opposed to spread out over the years. Um, that would have been really helpful. We're opening up now um, as we're continuing our capital efficiency focus. Um, we're actually hoping to be able to raise less and less as, we, as things have shifted sort of favoring the smaller, um, smaller brands now. But we are raising um, and um, yeah, we've got you know, great contacts for that. So if there's anybody out there that's interested in superfoods with a really great company, Always on the sales pitch. Always, Mark. Let, I, I don't mind that at all. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. Um, last question. Uh, we talked 12 months a lot uh, towards the end of this. Um, we definitely understand what we're going through right now. We, we, um, I know you're in South Carolina. We call, I you know, tried to call that out in the beginning <laughs> of this. Um, uh, we are in California. We're seeing a lifting occurring. We're seeing the opening of the economy, which I'm in favor of. Um, I've said it before. Um, I think that there's going to be, uh, you know, I'm an optimist. I always say that as well. Um, there's going to be 30, 60, 90 days of sort of, the, you know, this is what it looks like. This is how consumers behave. This is the new normal. Um, let's assume that things sort of start getting back to that, um, uh, that norm in 90, 120 days. What does Green Joy look like in 12 months from now? You know, I think, um, so a couple of things. I think that the, whatever the, the new norm will be, I think the consumers are already, it's ingrained in them already to focus on ordering more online. I think e-com is going to still continue to grow. Um, you know, that, that being said, I think, you know, by next year we will be, um, you know, this year has been a little bit different, but by next year we'll be at, um, between three and four million in revenues. Um, and then scaling from there. It depends a little bit on what we're able to do with, with timeline for getting our bar launched. Um, we've got some great influence, influencer network. So I, I think um, there's a lot of growth to come. Very cool. Congratulations on everything this far and, and all this new stuff you got going on. I know how exciting it can be. So you just stayed the chorus. Uh, we are going to turn to Carrie Tuma, Levitt Group. We're talking insurance. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it, we're we're going we're gonna to make insurance exciting right now. We're going to do our best. Absolutely. <laughs> Give us a couple minutes on Levitt Group and what you're doing. Absolutely. So again, I provide insurance and risk management services to food and beverage companies. Uh, but that looks a lot different, really, depending on 
the phase of the company. So for this audience, I think we'll just focus more on the emerging brands. Uh, so it's really less risk management and more consultative. Um, there's a number of different triggers that take place, obviously, for an emerging food brand. So it looks like um, for workers' compensation, right, when you hire your first employee. It could be uh, general liability coverage when you open your first sales office. Uh, you may be uh, starting to consult with a co-packer. So it's uh, property insurance needs. But I really think the number one uh, service that we provide is when the brand starts to release its product out to market. And that's when we get into the review of the vendor supply agreement because each vendor supply agreement can be vastly different from each other. Um, they tend to transfer as much risk as they can back to the food manufacturer. So it's really critical in our role to review these agreements and be consultative. So you understand as the uh, food manufacturer of what your risk is and what you're taking on. The big risk obviously is the product recall exposure. We've all heard about, you know, these situations over the years and what they can do to a balance sheet. Um, also product liability coverage. Once that, product has been released to the market, you know, you have an exposure out there for the lifetime of that product that could cause bodily injury or property damage. So again, it's really more consultative uh, in the early stages. Now as a company grows and maybe brings some of these uh, manufacturing operations in-house that could evolve to us utilizing more on the ground risk management services where we deploy our risk engineer and help with things like um, workspace crowding inside the manufacturing plant. Uh, manufacturing ergonomics is another hot topic. So it just really evolves over time and we're there kind of every phase of the operation for, for that company. Cool. So basically, if you need to protect yourself and your business, Carry Tuma Levitt Group sounds about right. Jenny Cawthon, Green Joy, pleasure to have you both. Thanks for having me. You enjoy the rest of your day. It's an early in the week, so let's do what we do best, which is crush it. <laughs> enjoy yourself. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Bye, Bye guys.